Welcome to Joy Field and Jesus Led. I'm your host, Tony Daniels, sharing real life stories and practical tools that not only let you know you're not alone, but also help you become the emotional, spiritual ninja warrior you were created to be. A relational revolution is sweeping through God's people globally. As the training champion for Luke 10, my key question has been, how do we help facilitate church in ways that help people grow healthy attachments to God and each other? In this episode, I share with you two key paradigm shifts that have happened in my life that have led to more effective ways of leading small groups, Bible studies, dinner table conversations, and even larger group gatherings. Teaching ideas is wonderful. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, but it can only get us so far. When we're gathered as community, there's a more effective way to relate to each other. If we want true connection, we will have to shift some of our old ways of thinking. Hope you enjoy. Hi, this is Tony, and today I want to talk to you about facilitating. We have started a series now on how to facilitate this relational revolution that we are talking about. And I'm going to look at this from a pretty personal perspective because I'm really drawing from my own experience all these years. I've been facilitating groups in different forms for over 30 years now, from small group Bible studies to uh, conversations around dinner table um, to larger group meetings as well as conferences and such. And over the years, I've made a huge shift in how I participate in groups when I am um, the leader, I guess, as, as you as you might say. And some things that I've learned have been very instrumental in the way that I now train people uh, to facilitate community and facilitate a learning in a different way. So when I first started out in teaching roles, um, I usually showed up with a goal to tell people what to believe or what to think. That was in my early Bible study days. When I led Bible studies, I was sure I knew the right answers and, I, and no one knew anything. And so I would show up to tell them what to what to believe or what to think or how to think. Not very mature on my part, I know, but that was just what I was taught to do, actually. It had been modeled for me in the church for many, many, many years, and that was the model that I I took on. Um, and then shortly, if, if that wasn't my goal, shortly uh, it, it would morph into maybe imparting to people what I have learned, which sounds better, but at the same time, it still gives the impression that I've learned things that you probably haven't learned in your life, and and I need to impart these things to you. Um, so <laughs> that would be my other goal for showing up. And and then you know, at a very base level, sometimes I would show up with the goal of just presenting a good lesson or presenting a good sermon or a good presentation, whatever it was that I was doing in that group. I would show up with that goal, literally, of I I was really proud of the presentation or the sermon or the good lesson I had I'd put together, and I was so excited about it and proud of it that I my goal literally was to present it, you know, to present. Uh, the sermon or the lesson or whatever it is. And um, <laughs> I know I'm being very honest here. But the problem that I've just that I discovered over the years with these three goals to tell or to impart what I've learned or to present a good a good lesson or sermon, the problem with these goals that I came to realize is that they can be blocked. 
which really stinks because if we get a goal blocked, it usually automatically produces anger inside of us. It's not really something we can control. It's an automatic response when a goal is blocked. So I would never have really known cognitively that these were my goals. But what I realized, what I started realizing was that I would get angry, right? So if I were going to tell people uh, what to think or how to believe, and um, they disagreed with me, for example, or they didn't like what I was saying, I could get angry if that had been my goal. Or if my goal was to impart with them what I have learned, but maybe they didn't show up to the meeting, (laughs) you know, and the people I wanted to impart to weren't even there. You know, I would get mad at them, you know, for, for not being committed enough, for example, or so strange things things would start to happen in myself. I noticed, you know, if I wanted to present a good sermon and someone fell asleep or the PowerPoint broke or people were talking to each other, not listening, (laughs) I I could get angry. And with that, if, if those are my goals and they can be blocked, um, the outcome is anger. And when I get angry with anyone I'm with, then I remove myself from actually having influence in their life in a healthy way like that. Um, And so I started to think, you know what, what's wrong with how I'm approaching this group, whether it's a Sunday school class or a Bible study or even my own family around the dinner table? What's wrong with how I'm approaching this? And the more I prayed and thought about it and the more community I had and mentors were around me, the more I realized that Part of this problem was this goal, right? So if I could shift my goal to be something else that couldn't be blocked, then I wouldn't be angry at people if if it didn't happen, if that makes sense, right? So what the question then became, what goal could I possibly have that could not be thwarted, right? Because in these other goals that I had, honestly, um, it became about what I am. Am I a good teacher or not? Am I a good parent or not? Am I a good presenter or not? So it's really me focused in that whole scenario there. I'm there to tell them and part to them, present. see how that works. It's really all about me. And so what is the goal? So I started to ask God, God, what, what goal could I have that could never be thwarted? That when I'm with a group of people, no matter what happens, I, my goal can still move forward and I don't get angry and it's not as much about me. What could that goal be? And as I started living into this question, you know, my mentors and God and, and the people that were training me at the time helped me see that really the only goal that we can have that can never, ever be thwarted is to love. And that sounds so cliche and so simple. And that's why over the next, this, this series, I'm going to break down for you the very, very practical applications that I see when I say to love in, in this context of facilitating, right? But when I love, it's about who I am and how I am with people, not what information I have to share with them. So, so the shift, as you can see, becomes relational. So instead of doing something to people, imparting, telling, presenting, now it becomes being with people. Being with people in a way that makes it easy for them to learn. Being with people in a way that makes it easy for them to relate to each other. Being with people 
becomes the goal, <laughs> just being there, <laughs> being fully present. And really no one can thwart me from being fully present to them. They, they can choose to not receive my love. They can choose to not want to be with me and that's okay, but they cannot stop me from offering myself and, and just being, being fully present and loving. So um, what would that look like then? If I show up in a Bible study, in a small group setting, at my dinner table, in a board meeting, in a party, uh, you know, a birthday party even, and my goal is now to fully be present and love those around me, how does that change the learning environment? And what does that actually look like? Now, there's something else that shifted too in this whole scenario, and that is that I stopped seeing the people I was with as empty boxes to be filled with information or uh, empty minds to have to learn what I've, what I've experienced. I stopped seeing them as empty, and I started seeing them as actually having the image of God within them. And, and every single person that I meet, no matter who they are, no matter what their faith is, no matter what age they are, if I approach them as full of the image of God, then I approach them with an attitude of learning from them, of wanting to get to know them, of wanting to get to see them in action. Because the more that I actually get to know their thoughts and their heart, the more I get to see the image of God in them, even if they don't even know God, <laughs> because that image is there and, and I get to see it and I get to draw it out um, and, and I get to see God, the more I actually appreciate the people that I'm with. So that began to change as well, that whole paradigm. So very different paradigms that I'm laying out here, right? One the people that I'm with, let's just say it's a Sunday school class or a Bible study or a small group setting. You know, if I approach it as they don't know, I do, you know, they have kind of an empty uh, understanding and, and really not much knowledge about the Bible or God, but I do. Um, and therefore I need to teach and impart and present, right? It distances me from them and it keeps, it actually blocks healthy relationship from happening versus this other paradigm that's totally opposite, where I come seeing every person in that room as full of the of the the, the image of God. If they know him and they're Christians, you know, they, they, they're even full of his presence, right? Like they even have the Holy Spirit inside of them. <laughs> but even if they don't or they're little, you know, they still have the image of God that I can learn from and grow from. So they're not empty. They don't begin empty. They have something to offer me. Uh, no matter how much knowledge I feel like I have or how much experience I feel like I have, um, I'm going to see God by actually seeing the image of God in each one of them and helping them see the image of God in each other. So facilitation then is the word that we're using for this different paradigm of being with people. So instead of teaching, um, I, I'm now facilitating um, groups. And, and what are, what does facilitation even mean then at, at this point? You know, I think facilitation, the basic definition of the word is to make something simple. 
if you facilitate something, you're making it simple. So what in this environment am I making simple or, or making easy for people? When I facilitate a group, hopefully I am making it easy for them to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind and love their neighbor as themselves. And I mean this in every environment, even non-Christian environments, because as people appreciate each other and learn to have joy, to be to, glad to be together and learn to see the value of each human, they're actually learning to love God too, because we're in the image of God. So when we learn to love each other, we're actually learning to love God as well. And, and then in Christian environments, it's even more so to be able to help them have healthy relationships. So I facilitate, I make it easy for growing healthy relational bonds with each other. I make it easy and safe to some degree for them to learn to have healthy relationships with each other and with God. And we do that by facilitating, not so much teaching. So over the next weeks, I'm going to explain to you how we do that practically. And I've put it into four S's um, (laughs) just because it's easy for me to remember. So when I train facilitators and leaders, we we do a deep dive into these four S's and how do we use um, our skills to facilitate healthy relational connection with God and with each other. Because after all, I think that's what the people of God are about, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we're about. So how do we make that easy for the people of God to do? Um, And then even easy for others when we're at birthday parties or at the dinner table or in a board meeting, we can use these same tools to create safety, belonging, um, and, and a place for people to learn to love each other, believe it or not. So I hope this is somewhat clear today, as mud at least, um, but a little bit of just my experience over the last 30 years, um, where I began, and then how that has shifted. My goals have shifted, but also the way I see the people I'm with has, in, has shifted incredibly this is the intro sort of to then talk about these four S's and, and I'll go ahead and share the four S's today um, just to whet your appetite for what's coming. The first S is to see people. We want to see people and I'm not, I'm not going to break it down today because we're going to break it down over the next several weeks, but we want to see each other and then we want to be safe for each other. Um, and that doesn't mean we don't have really hard conversations because we actually do. And we'll talk about that in the, one of the other S's. But it does mean that um, that we have some emotional safety there for, for the people in our groups. We set people up for success. That's the third S. And we'll talk about how we do that. And then we serve each other deeply. So in serving, you know, that's where we can have some of those hard or fierce conversations as John White's been talking about in his podcast, Stories of the Revolution. We don't let people off easy just because it's uncomfortable. We do serve each other well, but we do it in, in a very safe way. So I'm going to break those those four down over the next four weeks, seeing each other, being safe, setting us up for success and serving each other and how that works in a small group setting to really help facilitate this relational revolution where we're nurturing healthy relationships, not just trying to make sure people are believing the right beliefs because you know brain science has proven and, and so has our history as the church 
that knowing the right things in our minds doesn't mean we know how to live them. It's kind of like knowing baseball rules, watching people play baseball or reading a baseball manual doesn't actually help me play the game. It doesn't mean I'm going to be able to play the game. In fact, I won't be able to because those are skills. Those are uh, physical skills that one has to develop through practice. So very similarly, uh, loving each other is those are actually skills that we have relational skills that we have to develop and that takes practice and it takes time. So we in my training, we form communities of practice where we actually practice facilitating in these ways um, and living life in general in the, these ways so that we develop these relational skills necessary to be able to play the game well, so to speak, and not just have the right beliefs, if that makes sense. So Thanks for listening today. I, I hope that this series will help equip you to live more joy-fueled and Jesus-led in all of your environments. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Joy-Fueled and Jesus-Led. What would it look like if your only goal for showing up in a leadership role was to love those you were leading? I look forward to breaking down the practical aspects of what this means for me over the next several weeks. If you want to learn to facilitate with love as your primary goal, don't hesitate to start your training with Luke 10 today. The link's in the notes below. Until next time.